Welcome back to JOY, a podcast from St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. We've been on a hiatus lately, but we are glad to be back for a new season of this podcast, where our conversations about life and faith always include Jesus, others, and you. Today, I'm very glad to welcome as my guest and conversation partner, Dr. Donald Walter. Donald is a man of many interests and talents. He is recently retired from his career as a neonatologist at Arkansas Children's Hospital. But as far as I can tell, he doesn't plan to slow down very much. Donald, thank you for taking time to join me today. It is good to be with you. And you are right. Slowing down a little, as you say, allows me time to participate in activities such as this. But I still spend three half days a week in clinical informatics at the hospital. And I'm helping a medical software company develop a new infant nutrition clinical decision support system, so I'm not worried about filling my time. I also devote more time now to peace and justice issues. I know how passionate you are about peace and justice, and those are important topics for all of us. So Donald has joined me today to talk about a topic of study that he's recently been engaged in. Fratelli Tutti is the most recent encyclical released last year by Pope Francis. For those of us who are not Roman Catholic, you may not be aware that an encyclical is a letter sent from the Pope to all the bishops of the church. Encyclicals usually address contemporary issues of Christian doctrine and discipline. Fratelli Tutti is this Pope's third encyclical, and it lays out a really wonderful vision of humanity, aspiring for the dignity of every human being and rebuilding the world through bonds of love for one another. And in this case, it seems that Pope Francis is not just addressing the bishops of the Roman Catholic Church, or even Catholics only, or even Christians only. I think he's laying out a vision that he hopes all of humanity will be willing to take up. Is that a fair summary, Donald? Yes, Mary, you are correct on several points. But if I may digress, Pope Francis' first encyclical in 2013, The Light of Faith, was addressed specifically to Catholics. It is a beautiful essay on faith that any Christian might benefit from, but it was addressed to his church. His second encyclical in 2015, Laudato Si, On Care for Our Common Home, by contrast, was addressed to every person living on this planet. He said, we need a conversation which includes everyone. And if you recall, I took that invitation seriously and led a group study of this encyclical at St. Margaret's. Yes, I do remember that. On care for our common home remains an important topic for all of us too. But what about this third encyclical, the one you're studying now? This encyclical is also an invitation to dialogue among all people of goodwill, an invitation which I gladly accepted. Fratelli Tutti, Brothers All in Italian, is, as you said, a wonderful vision of humanity and the dignity of every human being. It does not claim to offer a complete teaching on fraternal love, but it does consider its universal scope and openness to every man and woman. So the first chapter of the letter begins with an overview of the dark clouds that are overshadowing the world. Donald, tell us about some of the problems that Pope Francis identifies. Pope Francis does not claim to provide an exhaustive analysis. 
Chapter one is no more than a consideration of trends that hinder universal fraternity, but it is quite insightful. The first trend is loss of historical consciousness, which is a tendency to recreate everything starting from zero. And this leaves in its wake the drive to limitless consumption and expression of empty individualism. Can you give an example? The political situation in our country recently is one. Activists who advocate a new civil war have virtually no knowledge of the civil war and events surrounding it. Theirs is only an idealized version, which is mostly inaccurate. Another example is what Pope Francis calls cultural colonization, whereby peoples abandon their tradition to mimic others or foment violence and from negligence or apathy. This robs them of their spiritual identity, their moral consistency, and in the end, their intellectual, economic, and political independence. It's not just that those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it, but also that our willful forgetfulness about the past or the misappropriation of cultures we don't really understand, those things actually promote a kind of consumeristic individualism. We'll tell whatever story, in other words, that will serve our needs in the moment. second trend that hinders brotherly love is that there is no plan to include everyone. In fact, we are becoming more distant from one another. We refuse to see that we are one family dwelling in a common home. Caring for the earth, for example, does not interest economic powers that demand quick profits. And we also live in a throwaway world with total indifference to wastefulness from wasting food to wasting other people, the elderly, the disabled, the unborn, the poor, with little thought. Then universal human rights, as adopted by the UN in 1948, are still not universally applied. One example is women are without the same dignity and rights as men. And another is that slavery still exists in many forms. Affronts to dignity, such as war or terrorism, are judged by who is inconvenienced. Then threatening situations breed mistrust, leading people to withdraw. If I may quote the encyclical, our world is trapped in a strange contradiction. We believe we can ensure stability and peace through a false sense of security sustained by a mentality of fear and mistrust. It's scary to imagine really providing for the needs of everyone. A plan that truly includes everyone would be perhaps overwhelming, but I think the Pope is suggesting that's what we need to work on. The third trend mentioned is that while we see marvelous advances in science and technology, medicine, industry, and welfare, these occur without a shared roadmap. 
in addition to these wonderful things that we almost always take for granted, we also see moral deterioration, weakening of spiritual values and responsibility, increased tension, buildup of arms and ammunition, and political crises. It's violence that we see in our streets. It also just happened that as the Pope was writing this letter, the COVID-19 pandemic unexpectedly erupted, exposing our false securities and momentarily reviving the sense that we are indeed a global community. The fourth major trend is an absence of human dignity on the borders. And it's not just our borders, it's borders around the world. The topic of immigration and migration in general is complicated, but an individual and a people are only fruitful and productive if they are able to develop a creative openness to others. I grew up in a border town on the southern border of Texas with Mexico. And my experience was that a lot of the poverty was kind of hidden. You had to go look for it but it was there. There were lots of people living without sewage, running water, sustainable food, healthcare, all of that was missing for a huge part of the population and not just on the opposite side of the border, on the American side of the border too. So part of the problem I see is just the invisibility of it. We have to look and see to know that it's there. the illusion of communication in the age of the internet. We think that we are so connected and digital connectivity is important, but it comes at the cost of sometimes shameless aggression and also information without wisdom. Yes, the illusion of communication. I definitely get that one that we're talking, but are we really talking with one another? (laughs) So dark clouds indeed. These are problems that frankly leave much of humanity robbed, beat up, and abandoned on the side of the road, which is why Pope Francis then turns to Jesus's parable of the Good Samaritan in his encyclical. The call to love one's neighbor runs throughout scripture, but the tendency is always to limit our definition of neighbor. So Jesus tells his parable, I think, to teach his listeners about what love of neighbor really looks like and to open up our understanding of who our neighbors are. So for our listeners, I'll read Pope Francis's summary of the parable. Jesus tells the story of a man assaulted by thieves and lying injured on the wayside. Several persons passed him by but failed to stop. These were people holding important social positions, yet lacking in real concern for the common good. They would not waste a couple of minutes caring for the injured man or even in calling for help. Only one person stopped, approached the man, and cared for him personally, even spending his own money to provide for his needs. He also gave him something that in our frenetic world we cling to tightly. He gave his time. Certainly he had his own plans for that day, his own needs, commitments, and desires, Yet he was able to put all that aside when confronted with someone in need. Without even knowing the injured man, he saw him as deserving of his time and attention. 
What I really appreciate about Pope Francis's discussion of this parable is that he makes sure that we understand that this is not an abstract moral teaching. Rather, it presents us with a choice. Either we help or we don't. Any choice other than the choice to help is to be either the robbers or like one of those who failed to stop and show compassion. If we are not the injured or bearing an injured person on our shoulders, we are either a robber or a passerby. On further reflection, though, I've come to see that each of us can take on most of these roles. Sometimes I am a victim, sometimes a robber. Really, sometimes I am a robber without mm -hmm. even knowing it. Too often, though, I am a passerby, but sometimes I am a good Samaritan. What I find interesting is how the Pope has turned the whole encyclical into a commentary on this parable. I think it's a very good use of the parable. And you're right, sometimes we can be at different times, different characters in the story, which means that every day we have a choice to make to see the hurting people and to choose to help or not. So after identifying all those dark challenges and presenting us then with the challenge to follow the teaching of Jesus and the example of the Good Samaritan, the Pope then turns his letter into a discussion of what he calls the many new paths of hope. What are the paths of hope here, Donald? Hope speaks to us of something deeply rooted in every human heart, regardless of circumstances. Hope speaks to us of a longing for a life of fulfillment. Human beings are made so that they cannot live, develop, or find fulfillment except in the sincere gift of self to others, as Pope Francis says. They cannot fully know themselves apart from an encounter with other persons. To be fulfilled, we must move beyond ourselves. This is the first path in which we envision an open world through a love that is ever more open. And love is not merely one of the virtues. Love takes first place. Another path the Pope talks about is a better kind of politics based on love that integrates and unites. This, in turn, requires a social dialogue for a new culture. Paths of renewed encounter begin with forgiveness and with truth, acknowledging that others may have a legitimate point of view, something worthwhile to contribute. It is also essential to begin with the most impoverished and vulnerable. Society benefits when each person and each social group feels at home. The Pope devotes several pages to the injustice of war and the death penalty. And the final path discussed by the Pope is the role of religion based on respect for each human person as a creature called to be a child of God. These religions thereby contribute significantly to building fraternity and defending justice in society. And I should add that one of the controversial statements is the notion that God wills the diversity of religions. And in this way, we learn to contribute to each other rather than go our own narrow way.
I really like Pope Francis's recognition of the valuable contributions of world religions. And we've all seen how the religions of the world can be perverted and misused as instruments of division and terror. So I really appreciate that Pope Francis sees that religion can be one of our pathways of hope, that we can use our faith and our common regard for God's calling for us to love one another as a bridge building tool. One of my favorite little nuggets in there was about kindness. Pope Francis said, kindness frees us from the cruelty that at times infects human relationships, from the anxiety that prevents us from thinking of others, from the frantic flurry of activity that forgets that others also have a right to be happy. This encyclical really is much more than a feel-good letter telling us to be nice to each other. But this piece about kindness really struck a chord with me. If we can cultivate kindness in ourselves and in our communities, the first transformation would really be about our own well-being, becoming kind people, and then it would overflow to how we act to help others who are struggling. The politics of love is the politics of kindness. Pope Francis gives us sort of a classic message about our siblinghood. <laughs> recognizing that we are part of one family and calling us to treat one another in that way. But it's also a very contemporary, timely message. We have some real shadows in the world, but we also have some pathways that are no less real that can take us to a brighter future. Donald, thank you so much for helping us to engage this important topic. It's so important. I think we need to share it with our listeners so that they can explore a little bit more. Tell our audience where they can read Fratelli Tutti and where they can learn more. So the easiest resource to give verbally is the web address Fratelli, F-R-A-T-E-L-L-I hyphen study dot online. And there you will find links to the encyclical and also how to register for the rest of the study if you're interested. And we'll also put that information in the description of this podcast. So if you have clicked on this St. Margaret's website to get here, then you will find that information in the description. I think it would be fitting today to close with the prayer with which Pope Francis concludes his letter. In this way, I hope that we are all praying together one humanity for the restoration of us all. Let us pray. Lord, Father of our human family, you created all human beings equal in dignity. Pour forth into our hearts a fraternal spirit and inspire in us a dream of renewed encounter, dialogue, justice, and peace. Move us to create healthier societies and a more dignified world, a world without hunger, poverty, violence, and war. May our hearts be open to all the peoples and nations of the earth. May we recognize the goodness and beauty that you have sown in each of us, and thus forge bonds of unity, common projects, and shared dreams. Amen. Thank you all for listening today. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, send an email to me at mvano at stmargaretschurch.org. Please join us again next time because our J-O-Y is not complete without you.
This is a production of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thanks to Stephen Bano, who composed and performed our theme music, and to Heidi Soule, our producer. <laughs>